Warning, the podcast Under the Stairs is not safe for work. We'll feature movie spoilers and language which most listeners may find offensive. Brought to you in conjunction with Legion Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode number 52. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. Now bonus episode 52 is our second instalment of my viewing over October because much like many people out there just now we are all knee deep in our 31 of October and back on bonus episode number 50 I counted through my numbers 1 through 10 of my viewing in the first 10 days of October. This being the second part, originally was aimed to cover the next 10. I've extended it out, uh, so the final episode will only cover 10 movies. So this will cover 11. This is movies number 11 to movies number 21 in the list. So we're going to have a, a <laughs> quite a mixed bag here on this one. On this particular episode, I will be reviewing, well, with many reviews, Cult of Chucky, Tonight She Comes, The Ritual, The Babysitter, Killing Ground, Freehold aka Two Pigeons, Amityville The Awakening, The Ice Cream Truck, Leatherface, Happy Death Day and 1922. So yeah, tons of things, tons of stuff to discuss on this episode. It's worth saying that this episode is dropping on Sunday. Uh, which means tomorrow is the finale, the season finale of Baz v Halloween. It's episode number five of our 2017 run. And yeah, if you are missing out, uh, you have plenty of time, well a day really, to kick back, catch up with that series and find out how things are going. Um, and the, the season finishes strong. We've got two great movies to discuss in Snowtown and... Um, a little found footage movie called Hell House LLC and we'll see if uh, we can claw back some modicum of dignity towards the end of this season. Now, moving forward, um, as always, every single year on Halloween we drop a movie commentary and uh, we make an announcement on tomorrow's episode as to what that movie commentary will be. So keep your ears peeled for that one and make sure you've got a copy of the movie available. As always, for the first week, I will put up a video with commentary link, uh, probably from my Google Drive, for people to download if they want. But it'll only be up there for one week and then after that you will have to make do with the audio content only. And then we move into November. Tons of things coming up in November. We have um, a little, uh, <laughs> a little live 
show coming up at the Glasgow Horror Festival. Myself and the Baz um, going head to head in a pod battle, although I imagine it's going to be some sort of seedy, oily loving with uh, Scott and Liam over at Scott and Liam vs. Evil, Glasgow-based horror podcast that if you're not checking out, please do yourself a favour and go and check out. Those guys are fucking awesome. So yeah, that'll be making its way, hopefully, to YouTube. I'm going to try and film the whole thing and get it uploaded to YouTube for you guys to check out. Um, The Baz has his fourth year anniversary, so there will be a Baz-aversary episode. There will be a franchise Russian Roulette retrospective on Sleepaway Camp. Myself and four guests will tackle all four movies from that franchise. And then we also have Shiflanigans coming up in November. There will, of course, be another Challenge Teapots movie club coming up in November and a conspiracy horror episode as well with myself and uh, Darren Wilson from the Psycho Samantha cast will be be looking at that a couple of found footage conspiracy horror movies which I'm kind of looking forward to sitting down and going through as well and if all that wasn't enough please remember that you have until Thursday this week coming Um, So get the finger out, ladies and gents. Thursday the 27th, I want to say it is, to get your entries in for Movie Club. I need your second favourite Friday the 13th movie. I need a review of it and a grade. And your second least favourite Friday the 13th movie from the franchise. A review and a little grade. So far, only two entries. So need to rack that up in this final couple of days before that show comes out on Friday. Friday the 28th, that episode will drop, ladies and gents. So let's let's push towards the end. That being said, there is some movies that I have to discuss. And as always, I will split them up into two segments. So because it's a nice bonus episode and I want to keep the flow flowy, um, I'm going to take my first break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear a little bit of music. To, to spice up this episode and when I come back I'll be running through the first five movie reviews Cult of Chucky, Tonight She Comes, The Ritual, The Babysitter and Killing Ground all that and more coming up right after this Throughout the history of the horror genre there have been those that say horror is for the weak minded We here at the Little Pot of Horrors do not take kindly to such derisive inference We are the bastions of tact good taste, and highbrow horror discussion. Look no further discerning listener, for here, the world of modern horror is discussed with reverence, respect, and similitude of decorum. Stop being such a bitch! (laughs) Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Even the people who hate horror love to talk about horror because they love to talk about how much they don't like horror. I don't know. Do you want me to Google horror movie Ghost in the Attic? Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. And you know what? I'm listening to the little pod of horrors. Seriously, though, join us for festival reviews, interviews, and guest spots from fellow beloved broadcasters. <laughs> See? I told you I'd <laughs> it up. My name's Gareth Evans. You're listening to the little pod of horrors. Bisexualized horror? Do you mean horror? No. No, exactly. I've got to bleep that now. <laughs> Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling horror author Scott Ziegler, and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors, which does for podcasting what Chucky does for daycare. The Little Pod of Horrors. The best idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Come find us on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes. If you dare. 
Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. <laughs> the truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. <laughs> That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right. We have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon-exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow.
And welcome back. So, right, um, for, for those keeping count, uh, the first 10 days of my October 31 movie challenge was Gerald's Game, A Cure for Wellness, Phoenix Forgotten, XX, Eat Locals, Don't Kill It, Life, Population Zero, Little Evil and Personal Shopper. So we kind of finished off on a really high note, I thought um, Personal Shopper was a great piece of kind of almost art house horror, it was a kind of interesting take on the, the kind of ghost story and then we moved straight into Wednesday, October the 11th and we tackled something goofy as balls, I could not wait to see this movie, it is of course a little movie called Cult of Chucky, uh, directed and written by Don Mancini who is returning once again to uh, the, the Child's Play franchise. Uh, this movie is a continuation, as all of them are, of the the, the story <laughs> following uh, Charles Ray um, and his exploits in, in the body of um, one of the, the good guys dolls, uh, Little Chucky. Um, the movie stars uh, Alison Do uh, Don Dorian, uh, Alex Vincent, Brad Dourif, obviously reprising the role as uh, Chucky's voice. Uh, Fiona Dourif, who is returning in her capacity from the previous movie, is Nika. Um, and there are some other folk here, some worth mentioning, some not worth mentioning. It is worth mentioning Jennifer motherfucking Tilly is back um, doing uh, her voice and um, also in her role as a uh, Tiffany, um, the the kind of uh, well sort of sidekick of Chucky that he picked up during the Bride of Chucky, um, some three or four instalments ago. Uh, the synopsis for this one, as listed on IMDb, is uh, Chucky uh, returns to terrorise his human victim Nika. Meanwhile, the killer doll has some scores to settle with old enemies with the help of his former wife. Um, also making his way back into this little movie here, which I, I really enjoy because if you had watched the previous movie, anyone had watched the previous movie, um, you would have seen in the outtakes that Alec Vincent replies to his role as Andy from the original run um, of the, the, the movies. And he had this like, slight cameo right at the very end. It was a kind of throwaway cameo. It was very, very funny. There was about three or four false endings to that movie. So I was interested to see when his name got attached to the project. I was like, all right, we're continuing with this. This could be interesting. So uh, Nika has been locked up in, a, a, in an asylum for deranged people because she's been blamed for all the all the terror uh, that befell her former house guests and the the curse of chucky which was the previous installment now people know from listening to the show hopefully if you went right back to the beginning that i generally like most of the child's play movies i really like the first movie i think the second movie is a lot of fun i think the third movie is pretty cool uh, don't like Bray the chucky really hate see the chucky Curse of Chucky, I was back on board, thought it was a great movie, and um, Cult of Chucky kind of continues that. Um, it's goofy, it's nuts, it's over the top, um, in a way which I really got behind. These movies really don't take themselves seriously, and you really shouldn't take yourself, uh, or you shouldn't judge them too seriously. That being said, there is enough here to differentiate it from some of the previous instalments, and uh, this one, Chucky has the ability to to create multiples of himself. Think multiplicity um, with Michael Keaton. It's kind of like that. So there's more than one Chucky doll 
kind of running about the place here. Obviously, I still don't want to go into spoilers because this movie has literally just been released in the UK. Um, but but uh, it's worth me mentioning that if you are watching this on Netflix, it's not the unrated version on Netflix. So try and get yourself a copy of the Blu-ray or the DVD to watch the unrated version. Particularly the end, there's, a, there, there's an ending to this one, a little after credit, which kind of links into where we may be going with the, the franchise moving forward. So, um, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of dug that as well. I thought the... <laughs> I know a lot of complaints are flung against the Chucky doll and how CGI it looks now, and yeah, I would kind of agree with that. I just think that's the way these movies are going to be now, so if you couldn't quite get behind it and um, curse the Chucky, then really don't continue on with the franchise. If they put out any more, which I get the feeling there may be at least one more in this series um, and I reckon this movie will probably do quite well to justify that one more which kind of annoys me because I've just bought the box set but if they decide that they're going to do one more you know that CGI is going to carry through you're not going to get the full animatronic doll anymore because it's just not cost effective for them to make that movie and as frustrating as it is um, you just have to let go of that and enjoy the movie because we get some great kills in this it's so so camp and so over the top it's almost laughable in sections even at the bits that are not aimed at comedy I think um, it's great hearing Brad Dourif reprise himself at the role it was a bit more of a tempered performance um, the real star of the show for me is his daughter uh, Fiona Dourif so, who her performance as Nika Pierce from the previous movie I loved and in this one she ramps it right up and at the end of this movie I was like I would happily just follow this character now in the incarnation that she's doing I think that is fantastic and give me that she evokes her dad really really well on the screen I want to see her move out and start doing some more horror movies as well and uh, some more villainous stuff would be pretty bitching so yeah um, overall I thought it was a fun movie um, please don't try and look at it with a serious like microscopic view of what happens and it, it definitely it, it kind of ties a lot of the story together and if they decided this is how they wanted to finish it then I think there is a finish here which allows them to walk away from the franchise kind of happily if they decided they want to do one more I think that would work as well and to be honest with you I would check it out yeah that's a a, a surprising victory for um, the, the cult of Chucky I really really thought it worked out a lot better than I thought. I, I genuinely thought that kind of Cursor Chucky might have been a fluke, but this one certainly landed it. Uh, my score for this one would be a hearty 4 out of 5. I did have a ton of fun with this one. Uh, I really liked it. So yeah, 4 out of 5 for The Cult of Chucky. And moving on, the next movie that I watched on Thursday, October 12th was Tonight She Comes, which has finally kind of made its way over into a VOD environment. I'm led to believe this one was available in October last year, but to the best of my knowledge, I can't remember seeing it anywhere, so I don't know if that constitutes like a festival date, whether it played at something like Fright Fest last year um, or, or whatnot. It's written and directed by Matt Stewart. Um, the movie has a cast of fairly unknowns, Jenna McDonald, Larissa White, Dal Nicole, Frankie Ray, Adam Hartley, Brock Russell. Uh, synopsis is listed on IMDb for this movie is, After a girl goes missing, two of her friends and a mysterious set of strangers find themselves drawn to a cabin in the woods where she disappeared. They will laugh, they will drink, they will kiss, they will make love, and 
they must all die. Um, yeah, <laughs> this movie was a bit of a come down. I don't necessarily think it's a terrible movie. It's, it's certainly shot on a, a shoestring budget. Um, and it kind of had a bit of a cabin fever vibe. But without the fun and the, the real kind of ickiness of Cabin Fever. And as Cabin in the Wood movies go, it's not necessarily a terrible one. I've seen plenty of movies that are terrible. I think where it kind of lacked was that the acting is is pretty poor. I, I didn't really particularly like much of any of the cast in here. I mean, there's pretty bitching practical effects. So if you're looking for some schlocky kind of practical gore effects um, some rad makeup and some full frontal female nudity then tonight she comes is definitely going to tick some boxes for you um, but I just I, I was watching it at times just thinking to myself this is not how people speak this is not how people act um, and I think that's what really 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 kind of brought it down for me was this movie is about an hour and a half long and it felt longer um, it takes too long to get into the I was going to say reveal it's not even really a reveal of um, what a reveal <laughs> a reveal of what's going on with the missing girl and then when we finally get to that point people are still you know when people are being kind of tracked down it just doesn't really, I don't know, it just doesn't really go like I wanted it to go at all. And it felt like a slog to get through it, and I, I didn't really want to slog kind of through all this stuff. Um, the, I mean, the score was pretty cool for the movie. It had that kind of, kind of retro synthy sort of thing that appears in all indie horror movies now. But, yeah, I think that you, I think you even tried to make it like a bit of a comedy in parts but the humour just fell for me it just wasn't good um, and overall it was a wholly kind of a kind of kind of futile pointless experience I, I remember my wife kind of walking in while I was watching this movie and me basically saying to her and I think I was about the 40 minutes in here I was like that yeah this one's a dud it's just not good at all um, so yeah if you like low budget indie cabin in the woods movies with pretty poor acting but pretty good practical effects then tonight she comes will probably tick that box for you uh, to me it's a skippable movie I wouldn't bother um, I wouldn't bother trying to catch this one uh, if it makes its way to even a Netflix I would just skip this one by it wasn't good at all uh, so my review of tonight she comes is I'm afraid it's a 1.5 didn't really like this one at all um, yeah I really wish I'd swapped it out for something a bit better, but them's the breaks when you set out a list of 31 movies that came out this year. You sometimes are going to get great movies, and sometimes some not-so-great movies. So then we rolled into Friday the 13th of October. Yeah, I watched a lot of Friday the 13th that day, but my movie selection was the... It was actually released on Friday the 13th in the UK. It was The Ritual. Uh, making my way to the cinema in the company of Big Sexy Dave from Rock and Real Reviews. We looked at this uh, movie adaptation of the Adam Neville novel of the same name, directed by a relative newcomer to the, the horror um, directorial genre, um, and David Bruckner, who has worked on like VHS, he did something for Southbound, um, he did that the movie The Siren, which was a spin-off of the first segment in the first VHS, movie and now he's jumped into doing the ritual 
uh, which stars a uh, Rafe Spall, Robert James Collar, uh, Sam Trottington, um, Asher Ali, Kerry McLean, Paul Reed other folks are in this one. Synopsis is listed on IMDb. A group of college friends reunite for a trip to the forest but encounter a menacing presence in the wood that's stalking them. So yeah, I loved the trailer for this one. I saw the trailer for this one back when it came out and um, we'd already kind of made a pact, myself and uh, Big Dave, to go and see this one at the cinema when it came out. So eagerly went out to see this movie. Um, the trailer gave away a bit more information than that synopsis necessarily does but in the first five minutes our, our main character sees his best friend be um, attacked in a shop he kind of fails to step up to do something and as a result him and his college friends uh, fulfill his dying wish of walking this particular trek through um, some Swedish hills in this valley and so they travel from England over there, we join them six months later as they're, they're doing this kind of, this hike, so to speak. And they once again foolishly sleep in a cabin in the woods overnight and shit gets cray cray after that. I thought this movie was really good. I thought the the atmosphere, the kind of forebodingness was done really well. I thought the setting was excellent. I don't know if it was shot in. Um, Sweden, if it, if it was, Sweden has some scary fucking forests. More more movies there, please. Um, and there's not really a, a great indication in the first half of this movie as to what is going on. Uh, is it the, the grief of what has happened to, to this uh, group of friends coming back to manifest itself? Or is there actually something in the woods stalking them? I thought the reveal was really good and I've never read the book and I know a lot of people that were saying the book was excellent but I've never read that book so this was a fresh experience for me. I'd be lying if I'd said it was a, a wholly original premise um, but I thought they did enough with it in this movie to make me get behind it. I thought the performances were excellent. I thought all the actors were, were, were of a really good standard um, and, and you kind of felt for them as the movie went along. I thought the scoring was excellent. There's a kind of almost kind of pagan foxiness that starts to kind of wave and weave throughout the movie as it goes along and it really kind of fits aesthetically the tone and um, the narrative of the movie. So I thought that was really good. And I just enjoyed the the creepiness of certain aspects. Um, it's not a really a jump scare movie at all. There are a couple of scenes which are done in a way to make them quite jarring. And I think they were very effective. I thought the movie as a whole was just a really good experience. One of those movies that you want to kind of sit down and watch in the cinema. Um, and it's definitely one I'll be checking out when it makes its way to a physical environment um, somewhere down the line. I think this one's a, a, a Blu-ray purchase for myself. Um, and one that I would return to. Just a really good, concise, tight little horror movie that I think was about an hour and a half, maybe and felt like about an hour in length. This one skipped right through at an incredible pace for a, a cinema experience is always good. Um, I would give this one a four as well. I think um, it, it, it was a really good movie, a really good horror movie. Is it reinventing the wheel and doing things that you haven't seen before? Not really, but does it do what it's trying to do really well? Of course it does. So yeah, The Ritual for me, a four out of five. And on to Saturday the 14th, um, it was to Netflix, we turned to check out the new outing by 
the the sketchy to say the least McG, um, who is behind. It was originally I think he was a. I think McG maybe started off as a a music video director back in the day. I, I'm sure I remember stuff to do with the Offspring, but he kind of cut his teeth as a director doing Charlie's Angels. Um, I think he did maybe one or two of those movies, and then he moved on to the, that awful Terminator movie, Terminator Salvation. Um, and I think he's kind of bimsed around doing TV stuff since. Uh, so this was him returning to doing a bit of directing. This one out on Netflix as of Friday the 13th, a Netflix exclusive. Uh, the movie stars uh, Judda Lewis, Tamara Weaving, Robbie Amell, uh, Hannah Mae Lee, Bella Thorne, Emily Allen Lind, Andrew Bachelor, uh, Doug Haley, other folks in the movie. Synopsis for this one, the events of one evening taking an unexpected turn for the worst and a young boy trying to spy on his babysitter. So yeah, I went on record with this one. This one is the, the epitome of how a horror comedy should be handled. Uh, over the top, pure nonsense. Um, at times a bit racier than I was expecting. But this is another one that is an hour and a half long that felt like what I, would, I was watching it for about an hour. Uh, the story's nonsense, so much nonsense in this one. Um, and the comedy itself is pretty brilliant. Brian Duffield, I think, wrote the screenplay or the script for this one, and he should be commended. He's, he's obviously got a good, a good grasp of the, of the humour. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to really spoil any of these movies, but I will say that this one was getting a bit of press on Netflix and it's been getting a whole lot of press on the old uh, Facebooks since it came out mostly because people are like that McGee's finally done a movie I can watch um, which yeah fair play uh, it's, it's a thoroughly enjoyable movie about this kid who has a great relationship with the babysitter he's an awkward sort of kid and um, He's chatting with a girl that lives across the road and they talk about what babysitters get up to when you go to bed and they basically say, well, you know, they, they invite their friends around and they, they have sex and stuff. And he decides that he's going to stay up to uh, see what's happening and he kind of observes him doing a kind of paganistic satanic ritual um, and they find out that he's spied on them. So, yeah, they need his blood. Things get crazy. Uh, humour ensues. It, it was just a ton of fun. I, I can't... I, I dare say if I really wanted to, I could put poke loads of holes in it, but I just thought it went really, really, really well. Uh, I thought the gore was excellent. It seemed to be, for the most part, mostly practical. Um, the, the story itself is a bit cliche, but it's a horror comedy, so it's kind of poking fun at itself. Yeah, I, I just I really enjoyed this one. I can't really do too much in the way of trying to sell this one. If you fancy seeing a kind of over-the-top horror comedy and you have Netflix and you want to do that before Halloween, check out The Babysitter. I thought it was really good. It gets 4.5 for me. Um, yeah, a, t a ton of fun for this one. And I look forward to seeing if McG wants to do more Netflix-exclusive horror content. I would check it out. I'm not averse to, to sitting down and checking it out. Netflix really killed it for me in terms of what they've done over October between this one and putting it Gerald's Game and another movie that we're going to be talking about at the very end in 1922. They've really kind of stepped up their game for some horror content. So, yeah, this one kind of lands in on that one. A great movie. 4.5. And the final review that we're going to cover in this half 
of the podcast was viewed on Sunday the 15th. Um, this one, I actually got a screener for this ages ago and had not got around to watching it. I know it played at London Fright Fest, so um, I thought I would attach it to my list, most notably because Blockley had watched it and Blockley was like, this is a brutal movie. Um, we'll look forward to hearing what you made of it. So I checked out Killing Ground. It's an Australian horror movie. Uh, directed and written by Damien Power, who appears to, according to IMDb, have worked mostly doing um, kind of horror shorts, I think. And this is his first feature. The movie stars uh, Mitzi Ruman, Harriet Dyer, Arne Pedersen, Stephen Hunter, Tyrene Copland, Ian Meadows, Tara Jade Borg, May Strange, other folks in the movie. Synopsis for this one. A couple's camping trip turns into a frightening ordeal when they stumble across the scene of a horrific crime. This movie is fucking bleak as balls, man. See, if you want to watch a movie that just keeps repeatedly kicking you in the nuts, check out Killing Ground. This would be perfectly, perfectly paired with the movie that you're going to hear myself and Baz talk about tomorrow, Snowtown. If you want to go through life hating yourself, do a Snowtown, Killing Ground, Double Bill. Um, yeah, this was like really kind of, in the grand traditions of Australian horror, I think they just have a way of putting across horrific stories in a way which is kind of crushing. Um, the, the synopsis covers things quite well here. Uh, we we kind of see these really reprehensible people try and kidnap a woman, uh, this girl, um, out in the outback. And um, it's probably not even the outback. This is me showing my naivety. And this is where our good buddy the witch comes back and says, this is the outback. Um, but there, there's like a camping area which people are directed to. Uh, and the, the guy that directs them there decides that he's wanting to go and kidnap their daughter. So he goes up there with his friend to do that. And then... Shit gets nasty, uh, real fucking quick. There was a particular scene with a baby in this movie that my, my jaw dropped, like actually dropped while I was watching the movie. I couldn't believe what I'd just seen on the screen. Um, it's nasty, it's grim, it evokes kind of shades of Wolf Creek without the, the, the full-blown gore fest of uh, Wolf Creek, but it's a nasty, uncomfortable watch. And to be honest with you, it doesn't, there's no light at the end of that tunnel. It's just a really gruelling ordeal that kicks from about the half an hour mark. And that last half an hour is a tough watch. So yeah, uh, Killing Ground is on point. The acting was incredible. Um, the story, whilst not being wholly original, worked really well. I thought the direction was on point for a guy that has never really directed a feature-length horror movie. And yeah, it's I. This movie was great. This is a, a, a I would give this one a, a four as well. I would say this is worth a watch if you have a kind of tougher sort of constitution. I mean, there's nothing in here that you haven't seen really done in most horror movies. It's just the way it's handled, which I found particularly unpleasant. So yeah, Killing Ground is is worth a check out for sure, and I give it a four out of five. And that is the first half of these reviews, which saw me do reviews of Call of Chucky, Tonight She Comes, The Ritual, The Babysitter, and Killing Ground. I'm going to take a very short break, play promos for shows that I love, and you're going to hear another piece of music when I return. Uh, we're looking at the next six movies, closing out the first 21 movies of my list of October, which is uh, Freehold, aka Two Pigeons, Amityville The Awakening, Ice Cream Truck, 
Leatherface, Happy Death Day in 1922. Going to be back to discuss that right after this. This is a distress call from across time and space. I am Babs the automated biological support system for the humanoid known as the Witch. Witch vs the Doomsday Clock is the weekly chronicle of his fight for survival and entertainment on the junk heap of the future. Episodes are transmitted in 15 minute pulses across the dimensional divide weekly for your listening pleasure. As you will learn, the future is not set in stone, and a flux capacitor is a girl's best friend. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Come join the rest of the Meat Popsicles in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash witch vs the doomsday clock. The replicant known as witch can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr and Instagram by searching for T-H-E-W-Y-C-H. The Witch vs the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Now in the words of Lord Humongous. Just walk away, and there will be an end to the horror.
and welcome back. So let's look at our final six movies to discuss on this uh, second bonus instalment looking at my 31 of October. Uh, this one is Freehold from uh, this year, 2017, uh, aka Two Pigeons, which was its original title. It may have done some festival run um, as Two Pigeons, but is now Freehold. It came out on uh, DVD in the UK this month. Uh, no, no Blu-ray, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't too concerned with that. Although I do like having some Blu-rays. Give me the Blu-rays, peeps. This is 2017 Blu-rays, not DVDs. Blu-rays. Um, this is directed by Dominic Bridges, who, to the best of my knowledge, is most not notably known for his work on the TV show Self Stackers, which was a a UK show which I think I watched maybe one of. I think the Baz maybe maybe had been a fan of this one. To double check with them at a later date. Um, the movie stars Javier Botet, Mandeep Dillon, Cola Bocchini, Michael McKell, Mim Sahih, Lee McDonald, other folks in this one. Synopsis for this one An oily, immoral estate agent is preyed upon by one of his victims who quietly moves into his flat and, unseen, begins a deliciously malicious campaign, struggling to say that, of revenge. Uh, Freehold is a dark comedy with a sinister streak. Um, so yeah, I watched this movie. First thing that sprung to mind is that this one uh, had it evoked memories of earlier on this year when I covered Sleep Tight, uh, which was that Spanish horror movie, thriller sort of thing with the, the the orderly who lives in the apartment block who's obsessed with the woman and starts stalking her and living under her bed and all the rest. It kind of falls into that camp. Really, the... And there's no way to really talk about this movie without necessarily spoiling things. So, uh, kind of focusing more on what that synopsis is saying is that there's a horrible estate agent. He lives in a flat and someone he has irked in the past, we're not going to full detail of what he's done, has essentially moved in, is living in between the walls and is doing everything he can to fuck with this guy's life for revenge. This movie was really good actually, it, a totally uncomfortable watch. I really felt like having a shower after watching this one because Sleep Tight to me does things in a wholly malicious horror type way. Freehold just does it in a really icky way. This guy does things that are so petty and so small at times but made me think it was weird like it, there's that way where things happen in your house and you see them and you kind of question why almost to an extent things are you know, did I do that? Did I leave that door open? Did I forget to flush the toilet? Um, you know, stuff like that. Where you're kind of looking around and you start questioning things. This movie did nothing for me but kind of hyper, hyper intensify those feelings. Um, it's a gross, crass little movie. It knows exactly what it is. It surprisingly has a kind of more serious core kicking around in the background. We are basically stuck in one location for the majority of the movie and that one location is this flat and we see this guy wreak havoc uh, around it as we go along and follow all his exploits 
either when the persons or you know, people are out or while they're asleep. Uh, I thought the dialogue was really funny. I thought the casting was perfect. I can see why it was called Two Pigeons originally. I can see probably why they changed it from uh, from Two Pigeons to Freehold. Um, there is a bit of a after credit sort of thing dialogue, which to be honest, I felt was needless. I know what it was trying to do and why it was trying to put over a particular statement, which is really aimed. There, you know, there is a kind of statement in here about the way society treats people just now, um, a kind of a capitalistic sort of response to particular housing. I imagine more aimed at places like London than it would be necessarily where I live, uh, which I, I thought was a bit ham-fisted from, from what we'd seen. Um, so to me, you could probably stop this movie right at the, the last scene and everything would be fine. I kind of felt that was unnecessary, but out with that, I thought the movie was gross, creepy, funny, uh, and you should probably should probably check this one. Um, I, I had, yeah, I had me... I had me laughing quite a bit um, and at the same time recoiled in terror on my seat that I can't believe you just shat in that man's toilet. Um, so yeah, there we go. That's maybe a mild spoiler, a mild, mild spoiler. Um, I would give Freehold a, a comfortable 3.5. I thought it was uh, really, really, really good and one that you should check out for show. And up next, what I watched, oh my God, this one has been doing the rims uh, for for a long time so Tuesday October 17th finally saw me sit down and check out the release of Amityville The Awakening a movie that was shot several years ago that has been stuck in what can only be described as um, post-production hell so yeah it got all made and it sat on the shelf for a while uh, for a long time um, which surprised me I, I can see well, we've been talking about this online for a while. If you've been following a lot of horror sites, a lot of horror podcasters had eventually got to this opinion where this movie was supposed to finally make its way to the cinema this year. And then once again, I think it was in April. It was definitely coming out in April. And then it was pulled at the last minute as well. Um, and now horror is once again back in the limelight, doing a bit of things. So you would have thought a push to some sort of platform where people could observe it and a wider variety would have made sense. I think a lot of us were saying why has Netflix not picked this up or Shudder or you know Amazon Prime just pick it up as an exclusive put it out let's get some let's get some traction behind this one. This one is written and directed by Frank Calfun who might ring a bell with some people. Uh, this guy um, kind of studied under Alexander Azure uh, and also kind of from my point of view did my favorite horror movie of 20 was it 13 or 14 when the maniac remake came out he directed that and i thought it was a fucking incredible movie and to be honest with you has done very little since uh, which has been uh, kind of frustrating they did that i lived movie which i really 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 thought was boring um and then this one, which, like I say, has been on the, the shelf for a, for a couple of years. The movie stars uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, Bella Thorne, uh, McKenna Grace, Cameron Monaghan, Thomas Mann, Taylor Spritzler, uh, Jennifer Morrison, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, there was a fairly good cast in here that I, you know, once again, surprised it sat on a shelf somewhere. 
Uh, the brief synopsis is listed on IMDb. A single mother moves her three children into a haunted house, unaware of its bloody history. Um, all right, let me preface this by saying this is not a terrible movie, right? As Amityville sequels go, this is not a terrible movie. That being said, it's not a great movie either. Um, it has a couple of effective scares. It feels like it's shot really cheaply. Uh, the cinematography is not great in this one, where you look at something like Maniac, which looks like it was shot for millions, um, and then you watch this one, and it has a graininess about it, which made it feel a lot older than it actually was. The story itself, it, well, it's an Amityville movie, isn't it? Really, they've tried to do a bit of a play on it, but it follows the same kind of tropes, the same unfolding of certain aspects of some of the later Amityville sequels. Um, the casting, I mean, I thought some of the performances were really good. Jennifer Jason Lee, I'll watch her in pretty much anything. It's great seeing Cutwood Smith do something um, out with that 70s show, which I think was maybe the last thing I saw him do. Uh, Bella Thorne was alright to an extent, um, as was kind of like Cameron Monaghan and Thomas Mann, they were pretty cool. The movie just felt a bit long, it, you know, it's an hour and a half as well, this one felt closer to the two hours for me, I found my interest waning at some in the middle, you know, started to pick up my phone, and it just felt painfully average, is what I would say about it, it's not a bad movie, it just felt very average, um, and when you've had so much hype about a movie being delayed, and why is it not being released, and why is it not coming out, and does the studio know what they have, and it finally making its way to here, I get the feeling it's because no one really had the confidence to, to kind of push this one out, and as a result it kind of fell a bit flat for me. Like I say, not a terrible movie, by any stretch of the imagination, it is not one of the worst movies I've seen thus far doing this run of movies. That being said, it's not a great movie either. It's probably one you can shove on if there's nothing else on and watch it and get through it. I think uh, kind of horror normies, the ones that don't watch a lot, will probably get a bit more out of this than I did. It just felt very telegraphed and very... I knew exactly where it was going from, from the moment it started. Uh, but sometimes I don't mind in a movie, in the case of this one, I didn't really light my world on fire. Uh, so the Amit of Awakening gets a 2.5 out of 5 for me. Uh, 2.5 Amityville The Awakening and let's move on Wednesday October 18th saw me sit down and watch a little movie called The Ice Cream Truck um, directed by Megan Friels Johnson also written by herself and starring in the cast uh, Diana Russo Emil Johnson John Redlinger Sam Schweckert uh, Hilary Barafort Jeff Daniel Phillips, uh, Dan Sutter, uh, Dana Greer, other folks in the movie. Um, synopsis for this one on IMDb is Mary moves back to her suburb home town, uh, or suburban home town, to find that the suburbs are scarier in more ways than she ever remembered. Um, <laughs> where to begin with this one? This one wasn't a great movie at all. Um, which sucks so much because the trailer for this one really had me intrigued. Um, I like suburban horror movies. I, I think they're really fun. Um, this one I think is kind of listed as a kind of horror comedy. I really didn't laugh much at all. Uh, it's about this neighbourhood 
which this woman moves back into. She's out there waiting. The rest of her family come out. She starts interacting with some of the locals. The neighbourhood's a bit different than what it was when she left there. Everyone's very kind of nosy neighbours, etc. And in the background, this ice cream truck, kind of old-fashioned ice cream truck, is going up and down. And then we've pretty quickly realised that the guy that's running this is a Stone Cold Killer. Um, the plot unfolds from there onwards. It was a really frustrating movie because there was at times where I was like, this feels like it could, it feels like there's a really cool movie in here waiting to cry out, but this this director is just not bringing it out. Um, and I didn't think the cast was terrible. I didn't think the dialogue was terrible either. I just thought the movie felt cheap, like really, really, really cheap. Um, it lacked menace. I could see it trying going for a more kind of foreboding tone in parts, but it just never landed with me at all. And it just kind of trucked on um, at a fairly slow pace. Is another one that felt overly long. Um, there's maybe a short in here, or maybe a 20 minute short to, to cover everything that this movie does. I don't feel our central character really has a really good story arc at all. Um, she's not a particularly likeable character, but no one is a likeable character. Um, I thought the ice cream man seemed to be able to do things like people seemed to assert a certain amount of trust to him which feel, felt unnatural when watching it and um, there was some practical effects but not a lot on the screen uh, they tried to mask a lot of that obviously budgetary constraints and I think that's cool I'm happy with that but it just never really grabbed me there was no real menace in this movie where's the fucking teeth where's the fucking balls Um yeah, wasn't in this movie. It was a painfully average kind of slasher. Um, I don't even know if we could call it a slasher movie. I'd, I would struggle to call it a slasher movie. Um, if I was to grade this one, the ice cream truck gets a two. I didn't really like it. Thursday, October 19th. I was supposed to watch a movie called Escape Room. Uh, I opted instead to bring forward Leatherface which was scheduled for Monday, October 23rd, but I brought it forward because people were already talking about it online and I thought, here we fucking go. This is going to be spoiled for me before I watch it. So rather than devoid myself from all internet communication, I thought, let's just get this watched. So I sat down to watch it. Leatherface from 2017. Another movie which has been kind of stuck in a bit of development hell, directed by Alexandra uh, Bastilio and Julian Maori potentially. Uh, sorry if I have butchered those names. Um, this is the couple that did Inside and Livid, two movies that I love. Um, I have made it kind of... Um, I've been honest with this one before going into it. I wasn't expecting much at all. I think the Texas Chainsaw franchise you've heard me speak about with Baz recently is not a great franchise. It's all over the shop. I don't like many of them. At all, I like maybe two and a half. So, an unnecessary prequel again, um, which covered teenage uh, teenage Leatherface, didn't really. It, it wasn't really going to set my, my my world alight. It's a story that I don't think we need. Um, and the casting wasn't bad in this one. Uh, we had Stephen Dorff, uh, Lily Taylor, Sam Strike, Vanessa Grassi. Uh, Finn Jones, Sam Coleman, Jessica Madsen, James Blur, Christopher Adamson. 
synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb is A teenage Leatherface escapes from a mental hospital with three other inmates kidnapping a young nurse and taking her on the road trip from hell while being pursued by a lawman out for revenge. It's funny, I've seen a lot of people post that this um, almost felt like Rob Zombie's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which in itself is pretty funny in that Rob Zombie has basically been remaking the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for most of his career. Um, yeah, I didn't like this movie. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I didn't like the story arc. I didn't like how they tried to humanise Leatherface again at the start of this one so he's not quite like the family. Um, the family's trying to push him away. I didn't like how sinister the family was from the start. Once again, I just don't think people like this exist. Um, and less is more. The less... The, when you try and explain hardship, then I start to dislike it. I was like this idea of stumbling across something which is just totally fucked up and not being able to get my brain rimmed it. That's why the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the original movie just works so well for me. Is it's just so messed up that you can't begin to even start to work out why things are the way they are or be able to sympathise or empathise with anything on the screen. It's what's so messed up. Unlike the, the way the characters are written, um, I think Stephen Dorff plays a pretty mean sheriff, okay. I think Lily Taylor plays a, a you know, a matriarch of a fairly psychopathic family, okay. Um, and like the reveal of how Leatherface becomes Leatherface. I didn't like the idea of him being locked in an insane asylum. I didn't like any of those sequences at all. I thought the dialogue was a bit woolly. I thought the gore wasn't as graphic as I thought it was going to be, uh, considering it's the guys from inside. But whereas the first movie uh, for me is, you know, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre has next to no gore and it's completely terrifying. This one has a fair share of gore and lacks any menace. It's not a scary movie. Um, I don't even think it happily fits into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it raises more questions than than we need because it doesn't segue in. And at that point, what's the point of doing a fucking prequel? Um, I get this all the time. Why do a prequel to a movie if you're not going to try and maybe potentially answer some questions or tie it in comfortably, which it doesn't do in any way, shape or form? Uh, is a not a good horror movie at all. Um... It maybe lands somewhere in the middle towards the bottom in my Texas Chainsaw Massacre rankings. I think there are some of the, the later instalments that are better than this. And yeah, it's wholly frustrating. With the people that were involved with this project, this movie should have been better. Should be a lot better. Um, Leatherface gets a 2 out of 5 for me. Did not like it. Did not like it. Which is a shame. I really, had, I really wanted this one to prove me wrong, but... Uh, yeah, not so much on this one I'm afraid, which took us to Friday the 20th of October and in the UK we got the release of ha Happy Death Day which came out Friday the 13th in the States a week late, I'd already heard a bit of buzz for this one, the trailer had me hooked, I thought the trailer looked bitching for this movie, which basically looked like a, a cross between um, Groundhog Day and some of the late 90s slashers. Um, so yeah, I was I was in maybe something like Valentine or, or Scream or something. Uh, the best pun I have heard about this movie came from Mark Kermode, uh, the great um, British movie critic who said, get ready for Groundhog Slay, which I thought was fucking genius. Uh, so this one is directed by Christopher Landon. 
Um, now, Christopher Landon, this is, to me, is quite an interesting, <laughs> he's quite an interesting sort of guy because he has done some movies which I actually think are, are okay. It's actually quite a lot of fun. So he did uh, the Paranormal Activity, the Mark ones, which I actually thought was a step better than the fourth one. I remember the Baz ridiculed it though. He did Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, which I really enjoyed. It's on Netflix at the moment in the UK. And this is I'm Returning with Happy Death Day. It's uh, written by Scott uh, Lobdell, I think is how you pronounce his name. Uh, the movie stars Jessica Roth, Israel Brossard, uh, Ruby Modine, Charles Aitken, Laura Clifton, Jason Bale, uh, Rob Molel, Rachel Matthews, Ramsey Anderson and Brady Lewis, other folk are in this movie. Synopsis for this one is, a college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will end only when she discovers her killer's identity. This movie is a ton of fun. This is the epitome, once again, this and Babysitter are the epitome of what I want to see in a horror comedy. Um, this one is not, is more comedy than it is horror. I didn't necessarily find it scary. I didn't necessarily find it menacing. It has a surprisingly warm sort of moral kind of emotional hook to it, which kind of reminded me to an extent of Final Girls um, from from a couple of years ago, which was a movie I also adored. Um, it's very funny, it's very loud, it's over the top. Um, it's a cinema movie for me, for sure. It's one that I'll definitely be buying. And it did ridiculous money. Uh, and it's opening weekend in the USA. It did uh, 5 million short than the Blade Runner uh, 2049 released the week before. Outperformed Blade Runner in its second week uh, with, with it coming out for its first week. Outperformed that, which is nuts. That shouldn't happen. Um, and this is another Blumhouse movie, so Blumhouse behind this one, kind of pushing it out. It was really weird seeing um, Ryan Turek's name come up as a co-producer. Uh, Ryan Turek obviously works for Blumhouse now, but as a guy that I've been listening to since um, the Bloodcast back in the day and through Shockwaves as well. To see him now getting his name on things is pretty fucking cool. Um, and if he was responsible for making sure this movie made its way out there, then fair play to you, Ryan Turek. I thought it was, yeah, great. I, so much fun. Characters were likeable. Um, situation was over the top, nonsensical at bits. Um, Killer kind of evoked, like, the, to me, this was another, this could be a new slasher icon, so to speak, um, in a kind of really goofy way. I know they're talking about a sequel. I have no idea how they're going to do that without just essentially just remaking this movie, which is what they might do. Who knows? I did pick the killer about 25 minutes into the movie um, and then the movie tried to push me in a different direction and I did start to waver but ultimately it came true, I, I knew who the killer was from the start and I also picked the motive as well pretty early on. Maybe that's me just getting along in the tooth for horror but that did not detract from the amount of fun that I had watching this movie. A surprisingly fun chipper uh, little little piece of horror. I know the Guardian's writing at the moment, I posted the article on the Facebook group page, that could Happy Death Day spark the, the re revival of the, the slasher genre, which never really went away. It's still out there, it's just not a popular genre at the moment. Could this one give mass populism, uh, taking into account that the new um, 
Halloween movies coming out next year and you got to know that if that movie's a success, Friday the 13th and, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, those remakes that have been, remakes of remakes, sorry, that have been stuck in the pipeline for a while will probably get pushed through. Um, I don't know if this is a movie that certainly pushes that, but certainly proved that there is a market for it, so we'll see who takes the first plunge because um, there's plenty of time to get a couple of slashers out in the cinema before before um, the, the new Halloween movie. Happy Death Day for me gets a 5. I thought it was great, loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, probably one of the best that I've seen on this this side of the, the movie reviews. I don't know how you can't love it. Um, it's a fairly inoffensive, well paced, well acted, well written, funny horror comedy that does exactly what it says on the tin. So happy death day, 5 out of 5 from me. Which swings us to last night's viewing, ladies and gents. Um, and the final movie review of this episode, we are talking about my movie from Saturday the 21st of October, which is 1922. Um, which uh, made its way to Netflix on October 20th. This is a, the second Stephen King adaptation to make its way directly into Netflix, directed by Zach Hilditich. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I apologise if I pronounced it wrong. Uh, there's a very good chance I have. He's done various bits and bobs, nothing that I'm overly familiar with, if I'm honest. Um, the movie stars Thomas Jane, uh, who we have not seen in a King adaptation since The Mist. Uh, Molly Parker, Dylan Schmidt, um, Caitlin Bernard, uh, Brian Darcy James, uh, Neil Madonahu, maybe, uh, Bob Fraser, other folks. Synopsis for this one, a simple yet proud rancher in the year 1922 conspires to murder his wife for financial gain, convincing his teenage son to participate. Love this movie. Love this movie. Um, not familiar with the King uh, novel. I believe it was a novella that came out in 2010, from what I gather. Um, this is this is how you do a Stephen King adaptation. Uh, nice, contained, simple story, well casted, uh, or well cast, sorry. Um, Thomas Jane is excellent in this, uh, as uh, Wilf, uh, or Wilfred James. He... Pretty much, um, well, the synopsis tells you the story. His wife wants to sell some land of inherited. He wants to keep it. Uh, so he conspires with his son to bump off his wife. And then, very much like the telltale heart, uh, the old Poe, um, kind of influence swinging into Stephen King. As soon as he does something that he knows is bad, bad things start happening and he carries a curse with him forward. Um, yeah, this was great. Absolutely brilliant. Can't recommend it enough. Please, please, please check it out. It is a depressing slog. Nothing good happens to anyone in this movie. Um, and by the end of it, it's not... Yeah, the, what I had read was that they changed the ending slightly from the, the King one. And I'm, I, I've now heard what the King ending is from the novella. And I'm quite glad they did, actually. Because I don't think you need... This movie didn't need that question at the end. I think it's just pretty cool that they ended it the way they did. Uh, I really don't want to talk about this one too much. I just think it was really fucking good. Um, it's another one that fe felt really quick considering it's about an hour and three quarters in length. Um, beautifully shot, uh, wonderfully scored, acting on point. Um, 
the kind of supernatural scenes done really well. There was a kind of CGI cow bit, which wasn't great, um, and a CGI rat bit, which looked like, you know, in a couple of years' time, that is not going to... It's not going to have aged well. Out with that, though, it, this is a good old-fashioned kind of ghost story, which I think works really well. I think it's the sort of thing that I can imagine the tension and atmosphere of reading the King novel made its way very, very well into this environment. And Netflix are killing it with this at the moment. Netflix need to get their hands on some more King properties, the likes of this, this and give it to some directors and get them put out. Um, yeah, I thought 1922 was excellent. It's a 5 out of 5 for me. Um, it is probably going to rate quite highly for me this year as well. I thought this is how you do it. This is how we do it. Um, so yeah, well done to Zach Heldrich however you pronounce your name. You did you did well, son. You did well. So there we go. Uh, <laughs> that was 11 movie reviews, um, which we'll talk about a little bit more when I close out the show, which I'm going to do right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode number 52. We looked at the next 11 movies in my October 31 of horror. Uh, we looked at Cult of Chucky, Tonight She Comes, The Ritual, The Babysitter, Killing Ground, Freehold, Amityville, The Awakening, The Ice Cream Truck, Leatherface, Happy Death Day, and 1922. Pretty cool, was pretty cool, enjoyed it lots. So yeah, that was that was a uh, what to say about that, you know. What I mean there was ups and downs there. There was definitely some worse movies um than the, the first ten that I rattled through, but in saying that we had two movies that clocked five and quite a few that clocked four and above, so um I mean, that's good. This year has been, as Bo would say, an embarrassment of riches for horror fans. I genuinely think there's been a lot of really cool content out there. I'm glad that Stephen King's getting some more adaptations out there and people are, are getting a chance to experience more modern King stories done um, in environments that they can access straight away, certainly with, with the advent of Netflix and stuff. I think all that sort of thing has been great. Um, the horror comedy is back again every couple of years we get a spike in them I think this year has delivered a fair few good ones um, as franchises go Cult of Chucky landed a fairly absurd entertaining movie uh, Amityville released a kind of bland um, yet totally unoffensive sequel um, and Leatherface released a dud yeah I really did not like Leatherface I thought it was a pretty poor movie pretty poor out and so yeah, we've been all over the shop. So, uh, this coming Monday, we close out Baz v Halloween with episode number five, reviews of Snowtown and Hellhouse LLC. And then you have until Thursday to make sure that you get your movie club entries in. That is uh, your second favourite Friday the 13th movie, review and a grade, Netflix grade at five. And your second least favourite um, with your uh, your review and your grade get them in no later than close a play on Thursday so I can get that episode out for you all on Friday the 28th so Thursday 27th get them in 
And then we have a horror commentary drop-in on Halloween. So keep your eyes peeled for that. The movie announcement coming on tomorrow's episode, the Baz V Halloween episode. We will announce what that is and what we're closing out on. There's a multitude of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs. Please visit us over on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed. That way you get access to the episodes as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue. Please leave us a rating and a review. They're both very important. The ratings push us up the iTunes charts for people to find us, but the, the reviews themselves tell people why they should check out the show. Uh, so kind words over there. We've not had one in a wee while. So if you've not left us one, if you're still holding back on that one, please leave us a little rating and a review. It takes seconds to do. It doesn't cost you anything. It means the world to us and really benefits the show. You can check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio and SoundCloud on um, TuneIn and Google Play. Visit our Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tputzcast. Visit our website, tputzcast.com. Please... Uh, go across and interact with the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness on Instagram, Twitter, both can be followed at tputzcast. Um, so yeah, I'm jumping out of here ladies and gents, you'll hear me and Baz talking tomorrow, Baz v Halloween coming to a close for 2017. But wherever you are, whatever you're up to and whatever the time zone is, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I'm signing off. <laughs> <laughs>